And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And in this greatest nation, who have been our greatest presidents? Okay, we all know we just had President's Day just yesterday, right? And President's Day, Abraham Lincoln uh, is always ranked number one. In virtually all the presidential polls, Lincoln is the obvious number one candidate even though he barely got into his second term. He won a second term, but he, at a time when uh, presidential inaugurations were in March, he was killed in April, in the middle of April. And yet he achieved so remarkably much. Uh, so, of course, Lincoln is first. Uh, what about the two candidates who are on the ballot, very likely as the nominees of the respective parties this time, uh, one of them, Donald Trump, one of them, Joe Biden, uh, their ratings, <laughs> their ratings are going to be controversial. We will get to that. We'll also be discussing that with Peter Baker, who is the White House senior reporter covering uh, that beat for the New York Times. And he is one of literally dozens of people all of a sudden through last weekend and particularly on President's Day have been saying Joe Biden has to find a way to step aside, to be a hero, to uh, allow something brighter, more optimistic, more uh, youthful perhaps, and more <laughs> coherent uh, to uh, be offered as an alternative to Donald Trump. Uh, otherwise, uh, it does look increasingly like a Trump-Biden uh, race would not be inspiring in particular, but it could end up being very one-sided. Uh, there's uh, also news from moments ago, and it brings into focus one of the characteristics that we would likely have from a new Trump administration, this would be Trump 47, where he would get to be like Grover Cleveland was the 22nd and the 24th president of the United States. Trump would be both the 45th president and the 47th president of the United States. Uh, but meanwhile, Minutes ago, the New York Times had breaking news. It said the Biden administration is preparing major sanctions against Moscow in response to the death of the Russian opposition leader, Alexei A. Navalny, a uh, White House official said today. Now, uh, you'll notice that this in the New York Times, they don't say the murder of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny though that's what the White House said, and that is what the world knows. John F. Kirby, Admiral Kirby, National Security Council spokesman who just had a promotion in, uh, in the White House structure, and he was given a more senior, more definitive status above uh, the, uh, the White House press, press secretary, uh, and because she is female and a person of color, this became a controversial item in the White House. Well, that's another story. John F. Kirby, National Security Council spokesman, said the sanctions 
uh, would be announced in detail this Friday. President Biden has said there is no doubt that Vladimir V. Putin's government was behind the death of Mr. Navalny. Uh, whatever story the Russian government decides to tell the world, it's clear that President Putin and his government are responsible for Mr. Navalny's death, uh, Mr. Kirby, Admiral Kirby, told the reporters on Tuesday. Uh, Kirby declined to detail what would be included in the sanctions package, but said it would be devised to hold Russia accountable for what happened to Mr. Navalny and, quite frankly, for all its actions over the course of this vicious and brutal war that has now raged on for two years. And let the White House get together, and I know that Biden has indicated, yes, he is willing to meet with Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. And what is so bizarre right now is is that we have a situation where a very clear majority in the House and in the Senate want to approve the aid to Israel and to Ukraine and the supplemental bill that would help defend America's role in the world. And uh, with that uh, supplemental bill, the problem is that Republicans are close to evenly divided. There's no overwhelming Republican support for giving uh, this foreign aid. But if you count the Democrats as members of the House, it becomes uh, overwhelming, as it was in the Senate, where it was a vote of a three to one. Um, we, uh, uh, meanwhile, have an intensification of the race in South Carolina. Uh, a lot of people believe that uh, right now the the polling shows a little bit of tightening of the race in South Carolina. Gains for Nikki Haley, it's no longer two to one in favor of Trump. The uh, Real Clear Politics average shows Trump ahead by 23 points. It's a lot, but it's not as much as it once was. And uh, uh, and she is attacking President Trump very directly because of his failure to acknowledge the killing of Alexei Navalny uh, for the crime, the hideous crime that it was, that it is, uh, but not only to fail to acknowledge that this is a hideous crime, but to even mention it. Uh, we, we talked about, uh, <laughs> about that on, on Friday, where you have this situation where this is a world figure. This is the equivalent of Lech Valencia, if you remember him, the great labor leader, still alive, Nobel Peace Prize winner, who helped to lead the way toward the end of the Iron Curtain and the liberation of Poland. And Navalny was a person of tremendous stature. And no, Dinesh D'Souza is wrong and President Trump is wrong, suggesting that uh, there's actually a resemblance or connection between Donald Trump and Alexei uh, Navalny. Uh, speaking uh, Sunday... On ABC's This Week, Nikki Haley said Trump's silence about uh, Navalny and his death shows that he either thinks it's cool that Putin killed one of Putin's political opponents or Trump just doesn't think it's that big of a deal.
Haley is, of course, Trump's final opponent for the GOP nomination. Speaking of Trump, Haley said he sided with the guy that killed his political opponents. Uh, he sided with the thug who arrests American journalists and holds them hostage, referring to the imprisonment of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, uh, who's been in, detained in Russia since March. Uh, Navalny, who was 47, died Friday in a remote Russian prison colony. Russian officials allege Navalny collapsed after a walk. His team, uh, however, um, claims he was murdered. Both President Biden and Nikki Haley have said that Putin is ultimately responsible for Navalny's death. And finally, by the way, there was a response a response by Donald Trump on Truth Social. Uh, we will uh, get to that. Uh, we will also be getting to the the new poll that shows some real surprises and very, very controversial elements in terms of the ranking of presidential greatness. And uh, this <laughs> <laughs> this is something, it's a survey of 158 leading historians and political scientists with focus on the presidency and what makes presidents great. Of course, it comes out to uh, match up with President's Day. Uh, we will get to that and to more with Peter Baker joining us, White House reporter, about what makes a presidency great and uh, what is Joe Biden going to do about giving his party a chance? You're trying to stir up controversy. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, I mentioned that President Trump had used Truth Social, which is his uh, platform of choice, of course. Uh, he owns that company. And <laughs> that's not one that uh, he is uh, stopped by any judicial decision from operating and continuing to operate, uh, though he may be stopped by... The fact that they're having a tough time uh, making uh, making some money on Truth Social, but in any event, the most recent Truth Social uh, is about Alexei Navalny. Finally, he um, he introduced a new line of sneakers, gold high tops, which we will get to, and uh, sold out of them immediately. And they are uh, three hundred ninety nine dollars uh, per pair, which is. Um, I don't know about you. I don't, I mean, I, I guess I'll, there are people out there who figure, well, $400 for a pair of sneakers. I I can't imagine it. But in any event, uh, the sudden death of Alexei Navalny, writes President Trump, has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. Okay, will you just help uh, make that sentence a fit in? 
somehow. Let me let me try it again. The sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. It didn't happen in our country. Things like that do not happen in our country. Uh, when is the last time a political opponent or dissident has been secretly killed or murdered by the government? I know people are going to bring up all your different uh, assassination conspiracies but here's the rest of what President Trump said the sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country it is a slow steady progression with crooked crooked all in capitals radical left politicians prosecutors and judges leading us down a path to destruction open borders rigged elections, and grossly unfair courtroom decisions are destroying America. We are a nation in decline, a failing nation, uh, MAGA 2024. Uh, this is very much like a, a tweet that was offered on Friday uh, that uh, we actually awarded uh, our coveted Golden Turkey Award to. And it was a tweet from a filmmaker and writer, uh, Dinesh D'Souza. And it basically began by saying, uh, Donald Trump equals Alexei Navalny. The similarities between them are, are non-existent. I, I mean, honestly, t to stretch... And the claim that, uh, and I think this is implied by what President Trump is saying, is saying that uh, the same way that the boss of the uh, Russian Federation, the virtual dictator of uh, the Russian Federation, uh, Vladimir Putin, is trying to do, was trying to do the same thing to Alexei Navalny, that the critics of uh, President Trump were trying to do to him, which is put him in jail until he dies, put him in jail for the rest of his life. But uh, honestly, yes, there is the uh, Dinesh D'Souza tweet says, uh, Navalny equals Trump, really? The plan of the Biden regime and the Democrats is to ensure their leading political opponent dies in prison. There's no real difference between the two cases. Okay, Jonah Goldberg had a, a, a very apt answer to that in the New York Times, uh, responding to Dinesh and to Trump. He said, no, Donald Trump does not equal Alexei Navalny. Uh, Jonah Goldberg writes, Trump is not an innocent anti-corruption crusader brutalized and murdered for championing democracy and the rule of law. Nor does Moscow's subway system, built with slave labor, pose some grand indictment of America, as Tucker Carlson insinuated. There are ample plausible criticisms of the legal cases against Trump, but even if you agree with all of those criticisms, I don't, says Jonah Goldberg, the notion that Joe Biden is the moral equivalent of Vladimir Putin is a slander, not merely of Biden, but of America itself. Indeed, one reason we know it's not true, publicly criticizing Putin's treatment of Navalny can land you in a Russian cell. Criticizing Biden's alleged treatment of Trump 
can land you in a Fox News studio. Or maybe, considering the uh, state of the presidential race, can uh, uh, end you up not in a cell somewhere uh, being frozen or starved to death, um, but uh, can help make you very, very wealthy and win you the White House again. Uh, President Trump unveiled that new line of uh, sneakers at SneakerCon. I think it's interesting it's called SneakerCon as in convention, not con job. But these are uh, the selling of uh, high tops that feature an American flag detail on the back and are being sold as the Never Surrender high tops. They're mostly gold. They have like gold paneling on them which helps explain the $399 price per pair. Uh, here's President Trump, clip seven. I just want to tell you, you know, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I have some incredible people that work with me on things, and they came up with this, and this is something I've been talking about for 12 years, 13 years, and I think it's going to be a big success. That's the real deal. That's the real deal. What's the most important thing? To go out and vote, right? We have to go out and vote. We got to get young people out to vote. And you're going to vote and we're going to turn this thing around. This country's not doing so well. We're going to turn this country around fast. We're going to turn it around fast. And we're going to remember the young people and we're going to remember SneakerCon. You know that. It's a slightly different audience than I'm used to, but I love this audience and go out, have a good time. We love you all. Thank you very much. Okay. He also spoke in Pennsylvania just a few days earlier. And there uh, he warned the crowd of dire, dire consequences to the state of Pennsylvania in particular if he uh, did not win the upcoming election. Uh, what did he warn Pennsylvania would happen to that state? We will get to that and to much more and to more on Nikki Haley's big and biting attack on Trump today. At that and more coming up uh, on the Medved Show. And we were just talking about Sneaker Con, which is one of those big gala events that, <laughs> I don't know, I somehow have contrived to miss it uh, for my life so far, in which President uh, 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 Donald Trump was able to successfully sell the first lot, which was a thousand pairs of shoes. These are gold high tops which feature an American flag detail on the back and a letter T on the ankle. I, I think on both ankles they have a letter T for Trump. And uh, they're being sold as the Never Surrender High Tops for $399. And uh, that was in Pennsylvania, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And, of course, uh, 
uh, Trump is exactly spot on. His chance to win the presidency is going to turn on turning voters around in Pennsylvania, uh, which he carried in 2016 very narrowly, and he lost by a little bit more to Joe Biden in 2020. Uh, so he warned people in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the state capital, uh, just a few days uh, earlier before the debut of the Never Surrender High Tops, uh, President Trump warned that there would be dire consequences to Pennsylvania, which means Penn's Woods, named after William Penn. Uh, there would be very dire consequences if he loses the election. Uh, listen. We have to, we have to win in November, or we're not going to have Pennsylvania. They'll change the name. They're going to change the name of Pennsylvania. Okay, to what? And by the way, there, there were a number of reporters who were looking to see if there was some cuckoo group, and there are plenty of cuckoo groups, and. Uh, Philadelphia, even some in Pittsburgh and other places in the state. But nobody cuckoo enough to try to change the name Pennsylvania. Uh, the the idea that uh, you are going to change the name of a state, well, this goes along with the uh, that notion that they want to separate California now into three pieces. One piece would be uh, no peace of the United States at all. And then there's more breaking news this morning, and it's very important, actually, because the United States uh, just vetoed a UN Security Council resolution for an immediate Gaza ceasefire. This is the third time uh, that the United States has vetoed a calling for an immediate Gaza ceasefire. And uh, the question would be, why? Why do we veto a resolution for a ceasefire? Doesn't everybody want to see the killing coming to an end? And the answer is because there are no conditions to the ceasefire uh, involving uh, Hamas, the terrorist group that started this entire conflict and that still holds, uh, at least according to most calculations, even with the people who have died, it still holds some hundred hostages. And uh, the United States uh, was alone in this. Uh, the United Kingdom and Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of uh, Great Britain, they abstained. And the U.S., because the U.S. is one of the five members of the Security Council that has veto power, the U.S. vetoed, and uh, the CNN covers it. The United States has vetoed a resolution at the United Nations calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, an anticipated move that, while supportive of Israel, comes amid signs of American frustration with Israel's war. I, for CNN to say that this is Israel's war, uh, this is not a war that Israel wanted. Uh, with which Israel hopes to gain anything, what Israel hopes to restore is security, for God's sake. And uh, the, the idea that this is a genocide, which is also one of the arguments, of course, in front of the International Court of Justice in The Hague, the genocide is an attempt 
to destroy a people, to destroy a national or what they say in the Genocide Convention, ethnical group, such as Palestinians. But there are two million Palestinians who are citizens of Israel, who, by the way, have not been uh, the victims of genocide. They've been the beneficiaries of tremendous population growth. And there are far more Palestinians living within the borders of Israel as citizens of Israel uh, than were there at the time that Israel was created and uh, that came into being and was recognized an independent nation. The U.S. Uh, had already signaled its intention to veto the Algerian resolution, but has grown increasingly critical of Israel's conduct in Gaza and on Monday uh, proposed our own Security Council draft resolution that for the first time calls for a temporary ceasefire, not a permanent ceasefire, a temporary ceasefire in the conflict. It also pointedly warns Israel against launching an offensive against Rafah in uh, southern Gaza. Uh, for months, the administration had avoided using the term ceasefire, but President Joe Biden's recent use of it, along with the latest U.S. resolution, signal a shift as the White House tries to help broker a deal between Israel and Hamas that would see Israeli hostages released and a longer pause in the fighting. Uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., told the Security Council the Algeria proposed resolution would negatively impact uh, those negotiations going on in the region. And uh, this is uh, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. after vetoing that Gaza uh, ceasefire resolution. Uh, listen. We intend to do this the right way so that we can create the right conditions for a safer, more peaceful future. And we will continue to actively engage in the hard work of direct diplomacy on the ground until we reach a final solution. And uh, by the way, this is one of those areas where uh, no one seems to mention what about if you want a permanent ceasefire, then it has to be agreed to by both sides, right? And uh, th there has been no indication at all, not publicly and not apparently behind closed doors, that Hamas is willing to make a commitment not to repeat the uh, bitter, bitter and, and br brutal and sadistic and a degenerate massacre uh, that occurred on October 7th. In other words, if there's going to be a peacefire, ceasefire and a return of the hostages and the ability to uh, help with rebuilding in Gaza and uh, with, with any of that, doesn't one of the prerequisites have to include some kind of guarantee uh, that may even involve some international force, that uh, uh, there will be no other Jewish holiday like there was on Simchat Torah on October 7th, uh, where all of a sudden you had, they now estimate it was about 5,000 people pouring across the border 
and yes, some of them in their hang gliders, to murder people uh, at a music festival and people in their homes and to take away grandmothers and babies and more. And uh, all of this going on uh, with an identification of, uh, of some of your political argument uh, joiners as evil when the real examples of evil Putin and Hamas are so prominent on the world stage. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show in the Wall Street Journal. One of the editors of the journal, Gerard Baker, has a powerful new piece, uh, which is entitled The Moral Blindness of Putin's Apologists on the Right. This is uh, particularly acute and particularly unforgivable regarding Alexei Navalny, and unfortunately, one of the truly distinguished elder statesmen on the right side of things has uh, gone along with this idea that there is some kind of equivalency between Navalny and Trump. I'm uh, talking about Newt Gingrich. We'll get to that in a moment. Gerard Baker says, it's easy to mock the credulousness of some grown-ups who travel abroad and like a high school exchange student wax lyrical about Baroque subway stations and demonstrate a lack of understanding of exchange rates. Uh, but we have a deeper problem. By the way, any guesses to who he's talking of there, who's talking about the great superiority of the subway stations in the, the uh, Moscow metro? Uh, <laughs> it's Tucker Carlson, of course. Uh, but he says, um, basically, Gerard Baker in the journal, but we have a deeper problem uh, than publicity-hungry provocateurs on ill-timed pilgrimages. A large part of the American right actively embraces the moral equivalence that used to be a defining feature of self-loathing left-wing elites. They have taken the illogical leap from legitimate alarm about America's direction to the idea that America is a moral pariah. In some inexplicable way, they have chosen to see the nation that nurtured them and elevated them, equipped them with opportunities half the world can only dream of as a moral monster. They use the freedom this country gives them to denounce it, insisting it is no better than a place in which even to harbor those kinds of thoughts could get you eliminated. And then Peter Baker, who's going to be joining us a little later in this show, of the New York Times, writes this on moral clarity, the same subject. Newt Gingrich saw a parallel that many others also highlighted. Navalny's death, writes Peter Baker, 
in prison as a brutal reminder that, quote, jailing your opponents is inhumane and a violation of every principle of a free society. That's uh, what Newt Gingrich placed in a tweet. He said, uh, watch the Biden administration speak out against Putin and his jailing of his leading political opponent while Democrats in four different jurisdictions try to turn President Trump into an American Navalny. Um, do you think that might be a little bit of a stretch? Uh, you can believe, as I do, that Joe Biden is doing significant harm to the U.S. That's uh, uh, the comment by Peter Baker. Uh, you can believe, as I do, that Joe Biden is doing significant harm to the U.S. You can believe, as I do, that he has weakened our national security, exposed us to dangerous levels of mass illegal immigration, and is contributing to the corrosion of our national cohesion with his promotion of progressive ideology. You can believe, as I do, that he has many more questions to answer about his and his family's work for foreign entities. You can believe, as I do, that he and his fellow Democrats have manipulated the levers of justice in pursuit of the man who stands as their principal political opponent. He should be held accountable for all of these. But need I say this? Mr. Biden isn't Vladimir Putin. Mr. Biden doesn't invade neighbors on a false pretext, killing indiscriminately. He doesn't make people who have fallen into disfavor fall from the windows of tall buildings. He doesn't throw a foreign journalist in jail for reporting the truth about what's going on in his country. He doesn't arrange the murder of his domestic political opponents on the soil of other countries. And he doesn't imprison, torture, and preside over the death by sudden death of his principal domestic critic. If you can't see the difference, then I say respectfully, you have lost or discarded your capacity for moral reasoning, and that is an even bigger problem. That is not uh, a problem that a um, great musician actually has. That uh, great musician, uh, Bono. Uh, Bono was on stage at the Las Vegas Sphere and uh, Bono of U2, and he talked about the urgency of America providing more aid for Ukraine. Uh, listen, this is clip 10. America, you're so generous. Let's get these people what they need. They're fighting for our freedom. Not just theirs. Next week, it'll be two years since Putin invaded. Tried to destroy the hard-won freedoms that 41 million people. Next, it'll be Poland. Next, it'll be Lithuania. East Germany, who knows where this man will or won't go. You know, unfortunately, he wasn't born in the United States of America. <laughs> uh, well, he's eligible to be Speaker of the House. Uh, you don't have to be a natural-born American citizen to be Speaker of the House or a U.S. Senator um, or to have a role in the United States. It would be helpful if you become, however, a U.S. citizen but he's been such a fan of America. He also spoke about how uh, Putin would never mention the name of Alexei Navalny in public. So he and you two fans then chanted his name at the show. Listen. Two years since Putin invaded. For these people, freedom 
It's not just a word in a song. For these people, freedom is the most important word in the world. So important that Ukrainians are fighting and dying for it. And so important that Alexei Navalny chose to give his up. Apparently, Putin would never, ever say his name. So I thought tonight, people who believe in freedom, we must say his name. Not just remember it, but say it. Alexei Navalny. Alexei Navalny. And uh, again, uh, what a tremendous Irishman <laughs> Bono is. He truly is. And uh, you may remember how at a time that the entire world was uh, undervaluing uh, the leadership of President George W. Bush, Abano did very public praise for the literally millions of lives that Bush had saved in Africa uh, because of anti-AIDS programs that um, were a, a true glorious achievement of the Bush administration. Uh, Bush does not do well in the presidential ratings game. Uh, we will get to that game and some of the surprises, some of the shocks, some of the reasoning behind it. Uh, okay, everybody can agree Abraham Lincoln is number one on the president's list. Uh, this year with the 19, uh, pardon me, 2024 uh, rating by members of the American Political Science Association and leading scholars and hundreds of them uh, actually – George Washington fell from number two all the way down to number three. So who is the new number two on the list of presidential greats? We will give you that and give you the rating most recently of President Obama, of uh, President uh, Trump, and of President Biden. Now, again, you might say, well, it's not fair to rate Trump or Biden because it's very possible that both of them would have an extra term to turn in. Uh, but uh, we will give you that presidential perspective. We will also be speaking with uh, Peter Baker, uh, senior White House reporter for the New York Times, about this whole question of presidential greatness and what it requires and what it reflects and what, if anything, it achieves. And can it be totally undermined by aging? Uh, we will get to that painful question, what next for Joe Biden and more in this greatest nation on God's green earth.